Each week in the Chan family, Friday nights was their favourite night. These four kids, their parents ran a Chinese takeaway shop and they were always out. And so on a Friday night, they would go five doors down to a humble Salvation Army home, the Soper family. And they'd have dinner, spend time around their table, laughing, sharing a meal. Some weeks it was a hamburger, some weeks it was Chinese from the Chans. But this went on for years and years and years and years. And it's some of the best days of their lives when you ask them. And uh, it was sometime after that, they moved away, they moved to another, they moved from Sydney to Bathurst and they stayed in touch with the Chans and, and eventually would move back to Sydney. And then one day they watch on the news and they see, lo and behold, one of those Chan children has been arrested in Indonesia for smuggling drugs. Andrew Chan, serious, 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 serious crime and convicted life in prison, but actually would be executed. And so what do you think they did? They got on a plane, they went straight there. And one of his first requests was that he would receive a Bible and one of the Soper boys, I can't remember which one, arranged that. And then the family had a plan that every year they would go and visit him in Bali in that prison and continued their ministry of discipling him. And that man, Andrew, changed in prison. He committed a crime and he suffered for that crime, but he repented of his sins and he found the Lord. And the reason he found the Lord is because a family five doors down had him over every Friday night. Because Shelley and David saw that, man, these kids are at home a lot alone. What can we do to help them? And so they decided, well, we could, we could have them over for a meal. So simple. So question for each and every one of you, do you know your neighbours? I'll be honest, I know my close ones, the one on the left and the one on the right. I used to know the ones over there, but then they moved, and new ones came in, but they're not always there. But what about you? How many doors down do you know your neighbours? What about across the road? Or what about... Do you know neighbours that have a dog? Because you have a dog, so then when you walk, you stop and you talk. Or kids from the same school. I know more people, I think, outside of my street than I do in my street. And it's interesting that this family was conscious of a family five doors down. And their humble actions changed the course of one man's life forever. Because from those meals to prison to reading the Bible, he became a changed man in that prison. He, he would wheel and deal and people would give him money and then he would go and put a hot water system in the women's part of the prison because this is not like our prisons. This is like if you eat, it's because people gave you food. 
and he'd run businesses selling shirts and it was amazing the things that he did. He eventually got married whilst in prison and um, his, his wife Phoebe's gone on to do some things which we'll talk about later. But your neighbours, do you know them? Are you a neighbour? What about that question? Are you a neighbour? We're going to flick to the scriptures. And uh, we read from Luke. I think some of you probably know where I'm going already. You know the story. The parable of the Good Samaritan. It's already been mentioned today too in the prayers. Reading from Luke 10 verses 25. I wonder if we'd... Once they get that up there, if we, if we read one verse each. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put them to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And the next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So an expert in the law asked Jesus a question. And Jesus, being the brilliant Jesus he is, answered with another question. But out of the three people that happened to go down that road, only one of them had compassion on that beaten up man. The first two, Levite and priest, actually looked ahead and they saw what was coming on the other, on further down the road and crossed over. Probably, if they don't see it, they don't have to feel it, not their problem, keep walking. They're not getting too close to that situation. They weren't going to be inconvenienced and were able to pass by. Inconvenience. 
We're in a season of thinking about hospitality and sometimes hospitality can feel like an inconvenience. Being a people who are open means that we need to be prepared to be inconvenienced. Be prepared for things that will come across our journey that we haven't planned for. And can we be quick to meet the needs of others that the Lord puts on our path and resist the urge to maintain our course? You see, the Samaritan, he stuck to his journey. He didn't cross over. Just yesterday, I was uh, in Allenstown shops and I was walking in the doors and as I walked in, a lady said to me, oh, be careful when you walk in there. And I thought, well, it's, it's a bit strange. So as I walk in, she was correct. There was an absolute putrid mess all over the floor for a pretty far distance that I avoided and kept going. I won't tell you what it was. Did my shopping, came back, and I walked past the cleaner, and she looked at me and she said, I'm going to quit. She'd already cleaned up most of it, but she had to deal with something not nice that day. And it wasn't until I was thinking about this message later, I thought, imagine if one of us walking past walked up to her and said, do you have another mop? You know what I mean? Because I had two bags of shopping, Sally's at home, kids at home, dinner's in the bags. What if? Oh, I don't want to get home too late. I don't want to wreck the rest of my night. But it dawned on me, these are the kind of situations that could change the life of that lady. If I said, you got another mop? She'd probably say, say, no, come on, let's do this together. It's better with two. priest and the Levite were experts in knowing of what should be done. And Jesus highlights in this story that they knew it up here, but not in here. That one, the one who actually fulfilled the law of loving their neighbor was the one that was least expected. And so the hero of the story, the Samaritan, hated by the Jews, a complete outsider, who they wouldn't expect to act in this way, did the thing that should be done. Didn't change their path as they journeyed, but as they came to where he was, it says he saw him and he had compassion on him. He saw him, he looked at him, he looked at this beaten up man in the state and he felt, he let it, he let it touch him. Compassion. Remember the Lord's compassion in Luke 7. There was, a, there was a widow in the town of Nain and they were walking out and they were carrying her dead son out to the grave. And he said to her, woman, don't weep. He says he had compassion. And he raised up that young man. He healed him. He saw and had compassion. The Samaritan saw and had compassion. The Levite and the priest looked away. So for us to have compassion, 
We need to see and take time to see the need and feel that need when it comes upon our path. I think it's more than this. I think that the Lord intends us to be intentional rather than just waiting and seeing for things to come to us. We walk and we look for needs. Because there's a lot more intention when you're actually looking. More on that later. The Samaritan saw and had compassion on a stranger. And how much more for us as Jesus followers do we need to look after the needs of our Christian brothers? How much more? How timely today to hear about India and Pakistan. We have to... We have to imagine that that is us. We have to imagine that that is our family. We've got no home. We've got no passport anymore. We've got nothing. No hard drive, no TVs, no carpet, nothing. Just the clothes on our back, if that. What would we want? We'd want our Christian brothers to do something to help us. The Lord instructs us that What we do for Christians in need, we heard over the last few weeks, Uncle John did a great message on it two weeks ago. What we do for our brothers in need, we are doing for him, directly for him. It comes from that passage, the the parable of the sheep and the goats, the story of the sheep and the goats. And It reminds me of something that Jesus said in Matthew 10, actually, in, in uh, chapter 10, 40 to 42. I'll just read that. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Excuse me. Turn the sound off, please. Clap. It's all good. Samuel, don't worry about it, mate. (laughs) The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. 42, and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, truly, I say to you, He will by no means lose his reward. The way we receive the Lord's people is the way we're receiving the Lord. From a prophet to an everyday believer, we're receiving him. And the interesting thing about receiving someone is it's actually giving. It's actually to give. Our receiving is measured in our response to them or to their need or to honouring them. And to be hospitable people, it's going to cost us time, it's going to cost us money, it's going to cost us groceries because we're doing it for the Lord. We have to be prepared to go without at times as well. 
And so this Samaritan, using his oil and his wine and his donkey and his money, whatever he had, he used and he didn't count the cost because he said to the innkeeper, here's some money and whatever you spend above that, when I come back, I'll fix you up for it. There was no limit. There was no budget. His compassion met the need of this man. Jesus told this parable in response to a question. The question was, who is my neighbor? Said to him to test him. Have a look at that again. Verse 36, Luke chapter 10. Which of these three... Oh, sorry. And this is Jesus' response. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? So he twists it totally around. The man said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, who proved to be a neighbor? In other words, for us, it's not about working out who our neighbor is, who the person is we need to love, but it's about being a neighbor in every situation. It's about being a neighbor wherever we are to whatever need is before us and show mercy, have compassion and to share what you have. Because when your mentality is that you're going to be a neighbor, things stand out to you. I was in a park last week with uh, Ruth and Nathan in the beach and we had our boys and we're on the swings and stuff and I noticed a young man getting closer and closer and closer to our group. We had a kite, except we left a very valuable piece at home, so it was useless. So we were just playing on the swings, but he saw the kite and he came over. And his mum, I assume, single mum, I don't know, she was sitting, you know, away, away on her phone. And he just wanted some blokes to push him on the swing, to give him attention, give him time. And it dawned on me that when you start thinking, I need to be a neighbor, you'd start planning, do you know what? Do you want to meet at this park each week and we can, you know, your mum can sit there and we can play footy or do something? You start to be intentional and you see that there's need around us every single day of the week. A few years back on my way to Cambodia on a mission trip, I think it might have been the first one I'd led. Uh, As you can relate, you eventually get on the plane and then you start thinking about what you might say. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed and just like, what am I going to do? But you have eight hours or so or more. And I, on those plane trips, I usually read the Gospels and I'll, I'll do something like, I'm going to highlight all the healings in the Gospels or every time the Holy Spirit moved. And I got to the story about feeding the 5,000 and the little boy brought his loaves and fishes and then it just hit me. All I needed to do was bring my loaves and fishes, turn up the few notes I had and give that to the Lord and he would multiply it. And I think in being a hospitable people, it's the same. We just bring what we have. We bring... Ryan Ra makes an awesome pizza. Like, phenomenal And so he can have pizza nights. I'm practicing pancakes. I think that could be a thing Sunday night 
invite the neighbours round or maybe even plan to have barbecues out the front instead of out the back because as people walk past, you can say, hey, come in. Come and, come and have barbecue with us. Dennis, your apple pie. Apple crumble, whoops. And who else? Dorothy, you've probably got an awesome dish. <laughs> Bringing what we have. Not waiting till it's perfect. Not waiting until I get a new beef eater barbecue and then you come over and it'll be nice. You have a table. You have a story. You have Christ. And whilst we're not met with need every day of a beaten up half dead man, we're met with so many different situations of people that they should get around your table and hear your experience, hear your struggles, hear the things you've been through and Christ will shine through you to them. Think about how much of Jesus' ministry was done at table. Another time I was praying and seeking the Lord for really clear calling. And I was like, Lord, what is it? Come on, I, I need to know. And I flipped open my Bible and I landed on that passage. He said, I've come to call the sinners, not the righteous. And I felt, oh, wow, what are you saying? Felt rebuked. But when you read that story, he's at the home of a tax collector who he just said, Levi, come follow me. And around that table were the sinners around that table were the ones that were outcast. And Jesus was there ministering with them over food. Use what you have. What do you think Zacchaeus thought when he's in a tree looking down and Jesus looked at him and said, I'm coming to your house. If you were Zacchaeus, you remember, imagine calling your wife. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Bring home dinner and, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is coming over tonight. What? What would you serve Jesus for dinner? He probably wouldn't care. Except Peter will probably serve. Young girl are special, hey, Peter? The worship team can come back. Be a neighbor. We've all heard, love your neighbor, but you love your neighbor by being a neighbor, wherever you are. Could be cooking a meal. We've talked a bit about that, but it also might be lending. Uncle John spoke a couple of weeks back, lending his tools to someone. There's no clear-cut definition because it comes back to love, seeing a need, being open. Your life is their life. It's not waiting for the perfect time to entertain and plan and everything's perfect. Sometimes your clothes will be on the floor. It will not be convenient. You will not want to have people in, but the Lord wants you to open your doors. You never know. They might help you do the ironing while they're there. <laughs> the important thing is a willingness to open your door, to open your hearts, to open your table to open your testimony, to open your prayers, to share your prayers. Things will come up. They might totally disagree with your view. But you can say, let's pray. Let's see what God does. Might be paying for their car to get fixed. 
Wherever you are, you can be a neighbour to someone. And the reminder for us today is it's not their proximity to us. It's our actions to them that causes us to be a neighbour. So why not start having some special meetings, M-E-A-T-I-N-G-S. Invite someone over for a meal. Why don't you start with people here? Practice. But be fully aware that we know that hospitality is also for strangers. 100%, especially for those that know the Lord. But there will be some that come along that need your witness that don't know him. Look for ways to get people around your table. Be a neighbour. Accept the inconvenience. And maybe sometimes, not every inconvenience, but sometimes when an inconvenience arrives with people, antennas go up and just think, wait a second, is this the Lord? Is he cutting across my perfectly planned day? You can be sure that if you're someone who's looking, he'll put people on your path that need someone, that need you to minister to them. It's not about the size of what you do, but your willingness. Your willingness to respond to the need. Andrew and Phoebe Chan, in those final days of Andrew before he faced the firing squad, they, they dreamt of starting Christian schools in Indonesia. And Phoebe's gone on to do that. She started schools, I think there's two of them. Hundreds of kids attend these schools and there's been lots of decisions for Christ. And all that comes from is from a family that saw another family and just had a meal every week. And they still meet to this day. And they're like one family now, not two. They said that when he faced the firing squad, he was singing, Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, Matt Redman, 10,000 reasons. Your table can change lives. Whether you see them changed in your lifetime or not, you have no idea what your table and witness and hospitality can do. But will we, will I, will you be a neighbour? Share our lives with people. Let's pray and then we'll sing. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you set a table for us in the presence of our enemies. We thank you for the table of the Lord that reminds us of what you did, your broken body. And thank you that you live in us. And thank you that there is so much power in your gospel to transform lives that we just share our lives 
Your gospel changes people. It fulfills of the increase of your government and peace, there'll be no end. Take a hold of us by the Holy Spirit to be neighbours full of your spirit, ready to respond to the need, feel the compassion, have your compassion. Help us to see what you've given us. You've freely given us salvation. Help us to freely pass it on. And help us to share freely our belongings, our food, whatever we have. Thank you for what you have done for us. And Lord, we long to see more of you. And thank you this city will change. It has changed. We don't say that thinking nothing has happened. But we say it in faith that we will see tremendous things in our days. Lord, thank you. We're going to rise and sing. And Jacob will proclaim a benediction at the end. And just leave that with you to think about how you can be a neighbour to the people around you. Lord, we thank you. Amen.